0: I, 22m, just recently got the opportunity to hike Half Dome in Yosemite, but near the end of my hike I had a rather strange encounter. I was coming down the John Muir Trail around 6pm. It was still light out, right after you crossed the Vernal Falls Bridge, and had a clear view of the massive granite cliffs below Washburn.
1: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too
0: When I noticed an out of place object nestled in an alcove roughly halfway up the 1000-foot tall cliffside. It was a bright white color, whiter than any of the naturally occurring patterns on the rock, and it was shaped like two big, billowy pant legs. Think MC Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
2: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
0: The hammer pants connected at the top with some sort of odd white shape where the legs came together. The object didn't appear to be made of any sort of fabric. However, as it didn't move or ripple in the high winds like you'd expect of a fabric. It's also worth nothing that this was in September, so no snow anywhere on the mountainside. It was quite far away, but even so I would estimate its height at around 7 or 8 feet. I stopped my descent to stare at it for a second when another hiker passed me and stopped to strike up a conversation. I asked her if she saw that thing up on the cliffside, and immediately she points up at the white object and goes yeah, that thing that looks like a kid in a white bath towel? I was wondering if you were looking at that when I saw you stopped. Mind you, this mountain we're looking at is huge. Like big enough to fill your entire field of view from where we were standing huge. And out of all that, she knew even before I said anything exactly what I was looking at. The weird white pant thing up on the cliff. She described it as a child in a towel I suspect because the gap between the white pant legs made it look like a white object wrapped around a dark object though the dark was the same color as the rest of the recessed alcove in the cliff. I asked her if she had ever heard of the Fresno Nightcrawler, which she hadn't, and as I explained to her what they look like she kept staring at the thing on the cliffside and declared that's exactly what I'm looking at. I kept stopping to look back at it from different angles as we descended farther down the trail, and each time the perspective shifted in such a way to confirm that it was some sort of solid object, not markings on the granite. I have to believe that it's some sort of strange foreign object that was planted up there or an optical illusion created by a particularly stark white piece of granite cliff, but it was eerie how neatly it appeared to match the Nightcrawler security cam slash trail cam footage. 2015 I was in the Southwest USA, desert camping. It was about 2 AM and I was still in the truck cab eating pistachios and tossing the shells out of the open window. Huge full moon behind me about 2 o'clock in the sky I was watching it in the rear view mirror. All at once a tall being walked about 6 feet behind my truck and stopped. I turned around and looked out of the open back window. It was about 8 feet tall, very very skinny, long arms with elbows below its waist area foot-long skinny neck, oval head that had what looked like a four-foot beard or tube hanging from its lower face. I couldn't make out the feet or hands. It was walking like it was struggling, like if you walk in a swimming pool with the resistance of the water. As it stopped it barely moved its shoulders but that freakish long neck turned the big head with at me. I don't know if it saw me in the truck. I froze. It turned its head forward and continued on walking. It was bizarrely thin, like an insect. I got scared thinking it's so thin it's hungry. I took off after it passed by my truck, camping equipment in the back of my truck flying to the side of the dirt road as I drove. I went back four months later in the daylight. I found the pile of pistachio shells so I knew the exact spot where I was. I saw nothing unusual. I drove around a bit. It was a nice day and found a place that looked like a good hiking spot. As I got out of the truck, maybe about 3 in the afternoon I heard diesel engines struggling digging, like backhoes, earth movers, dump trucks dumping a load and banging the scooper to unload all the dirt, trucks backing up with a beep. Beep, sound but there was nothing around. I was in the middle of nowhere on a dirt road, no other cars around for miles. I couldn't figure where the digging noise was coming from but wondered. I got on my hands and knees and listed to the ground. It was coming from under the desert landscape. I was standing on where the digging was coming from. As I stood up I saw two very shiny white pickup trucks facing the front of my truck, onyx black windows. They were so shiny the sun reflecting on them hurt my eyes. Driving in the desert piles dust would be on a truck. These looked like they just came off a showroom. I got scared, I guess they saw me listening to the ground and I suppose I wasn't supposed to hear that sound. As I got back in my truck I saw two more white trucks exactly the same behind me, facing me. I drove off looking if they were following me, they weren't. As I got to the nearest road my heart sank as there were two more of the same trucks waiting for me at the intersection facing each way so whichever way I was going one truck would be right behind me. As I got on the road the truck behind me followed me right on my bumper. I was going 90 miles per hour and the truck was right behind me. The other truck then was trying to pass me, I was swerving two lanes to keep it from passing me. I came up to an exit to some buildings and decided to give it a shot and exited. At the same time the two trucks slowed down and made a U-turn and went back. They could have taken me out in the desert and no one would have found me or my truck, but they didn't. Did they want to kill me on the road? I don't know, but I was terrified to go home thinking they'd be there, but I never saw them again and never went back. My thought is. I discovered a government installation being built, maybe for national security. So I keep that location to myself, it might be very important to keep their location unknown. My other thought. Why chase me when that giant insect-like being was walking around a few months prior about four miles from where I heard the digging sound? Is that location ET slash human slash government? I'm still scared stiff, not talked about it at all till lately. I reported my two sightings to MUFON, I did not tell about the site where the digging was going on. I'm very curious what's going on out there, but, I won't return. In my youth, I was something of a fisherman traveling up and down the county, looking for the best ponds and the most productive stretches of river to fish. I've met lots of fisherfolk, and they always have a story to tell, especially when the campfire is crackling and the fish aren't biting. One such story concerns Deepdale Pond and explains why I'm too afraid to fish for the thing that supposedly lurks beneath the surface there. Some people said it was a monstrous eel. Some people said it was a landlocked sturgeon, an ancient creature touched by dark magic. Others said it was some sort of mutant, an abomination that should never have been. All were agreed, however, fishing for the demon fish was folly. All were agreed that is, but one. A local businessman heard the tales, reports of ducklings sucked under Deepdale Pond's surface. Tiddlers hooked by local children plucked savagely from their lines. He suspected the demon fish was no more than a big pike. He took the other stories, whispers of a curse befalling anyone who hooked the demon fish, a darkness falling over them and their endeavors, as superstitious nonsense. The demon fish was a pike and the businessman was going to prove it. One Saturday morning the businessman, an experienced fisherman, set himself up on the bank of Deepdale Pond. The pond was big, more of a lake in truth, but he had the whole day to move up and down the waterside, to search for the monster pike in every reed bed and deep pool. Dog walkers, picnickers, children with dinky little rods, all asked the businessman what he was doing with such bulky tackle as they visited the pond throughout the day. When the businessman explained that he was out to catch the demon fish they warned him off his charge, but he would not be deterred. As night began to fall the businessman found himself fishless and alone by the waterside. But he wasn't going to be beaten. All the visitors to the pond throughout the day, surely their clamor had simply put the big fish off? Spooked it into hiding? But now it was dark and calm the businessman might finally be able to claim his prize. Knowing now was his best chance, he reached for his bait box and attached the biggest, smelliest mackerel filet he had onto his hook. He cast it out into the deepest part of the pond and waited. He didn't have to wait long. A monstrous take and the businessman was in, line screeching from his reel as he fought to keep the beast at bay. It had to be the demon fish. Moving along the bank to get the best purchase and keep the fish away from snags, the businessman gave as good as he got. He wrestled the fish this way and that, all in an attempt to tire it. Minutes passed, then an hour, then longer. Still the fish would not relent. The businessman even started to doubt the fish was a pike. Pike were ambush predators he knew, sprinters not distance runners. And this fish had serious stamina. Just as the businessman thought it would never give in, the fish finally allowed itself to be pulled towards the bank. Even in the darkness the businessman could see its immense flank break the surface, by far the biggest fish he had ever caught. But he couldn't quite make out what the fish was. Just a couple of feet closer and he would have his identification. A few inches more, an inch, and then, twang. With one last burst of energy the fish powered towards the deep water and snapped the businessman's line clean. Close, but not close enough. Back home and without an identification, witness or photograph, no one believed the businessman's story. And that simply would not do. Not after all he'd been through. The next Saturday he was back with better tackle and more bait. But wherever in the pond he tried, and whatever bait he used, nothing. Knight bought no bites either, nor did the next morning. So the next weekend he came back again, and the next, and the next after that too. Soon he found himself fishing the weekday evenings, and then during the weekdays themselves. His business began to dwindle, and then fail. He didn't care, the demon fish had won over him and he needed to settle the score. His wife told him he was becoming obsessed, she left him. That didn't matter, the fish was more important. Soon the businessman was spending more time at the pond than anywhere else all to no avail. Next he stopped sleeping, eating, all to give himself more time with a bait in the water. It couldn't go on. Finally, sick with exhaustion, the businessman collapsed by the side of the pond. A dog walker found him the next day and, half dead, he was rushed to hospital. What do you think? Local hearsay or something to it? I agree that it wouldn't be a pike, but I'm not sure what else would be a likely candidate. I believe I encountered a Sasquatch group of four last summer, 2021, while camping in Twin Rivers Beach, Washington. I felt like they were a family. I could hear them walking across the beach where I was camping from within my tent. They covered over 80 feet in about 20 steps. The largest one got within a few feet of my tent. I recorded them. I could hear a very low frequency that they were using to communicate. I'm not sure if you can hear it in the recording and would love to get that wave file to someone who could better analyze it. There were four beings. They were walking on two feet. I could clearly hear the differences in their sizes and distance from where I was. There are a bunch of flat stones on the beach. This made it difficult to impossible for them to walk across the beach without making a noise. Based on the sound of their footsteps is why I believe it was a family of four. There was a very large one bringing up the front, a younger one, and was the second to the smallest. The third was a little one that was walking just in front of the second largest one which was bringing up the rear of the pack. Four years ago, 2017, I believe I had this experience. I actually thought I was crazy and hallucinating. We were on the highway in Victoria, it was dark, and we were driving back from NSW. We were close to Seymour, probably 25 minutes away. I saw this huge gorilla running in the bushes, I was so scared, at first I didn't tell my partner. I was embarrassed because I've always got something weird to say. I thought this is maybe from the long drive. I could see the trees moving as they ran. I kept thinking this is impossible. My husband realized I was acting strange, and he asked if I was okay. I told him that there was a gorilla-like thing chasing us, but still no cars around. As we got close to Seymour it stopped chasing. I really thought I hallucinated because there are no gorillas in the Australian bush. I've even told friends and family about this weird experience, but now I feel some relief because I might not be crazy after all. I'm Aussie and didn't know the Yowie. 50 years ago in 1972, I drove my girlfriend out to the country on a dark night in northern Indiana to a spot I had passed before. It was a clearing in the thick woods on the south side of the Wabash River, east of Logansport. It was a moonless night with pitch black darkness out in the woods. I pulled into the spot and parked. We got out and I laid out a blanket. We didn't even have a moment to sit down when we heard something huge and aggressive crashing through trees and thick underbrush directly towards us. It sounded like it was making a grunting or growling noise. Crash, crash crash, crash. I grabbed the blanket, ran into the car, and sped off. We left there in shock and never spoke about the incident. I completely forgot that it happened until about five years later I heard two different news stories at the same time about three people reporting a seven to nine foot tall, hairy creature walking upright in the area. That sparked my memory. I've since Googled Bigfoot in Wabash River Valley and found that there have been numerous documented sightings there since the early 1800s. Many have reported aggressive, territorial behavior. This is my interaction with the Palmyra, Maine wolves. This story takes place in 2018. My friends G, Brian, Sarah and I love exploring forests and abandoned buildings. Occasionally we work up the courage to go to alleged haunted buildings. G found a cool little area in the woods in Palmyra that was perfect for camping. He called us and told us and we all started getting ready to go camping for the weekend. I was in charge of bringing food and some sort of protection so I grabbed my father's machete. A few hours later he picks Brian, Sarah, and me up at my house. Halfway there we went to the store for tents and extra batteries. When we leave the store Brian and I get a weird feeling. But it was a new area for me so I brushed it off. Later we finally get to the campsite and we set up the tents. G and Brian make a fire, and Sarah and I unpack the food and put fresh batteries in the flashlights. We eat dinner and go to bed. Around 2.30 a.m. Sarah woke me up crying saying she saw something in the woods. This was unusual. Sarah never cried in front of anyone but she was terrified, so I grab a flashlight and we walk out and look around. We see and hear nothing, so I say, your eyes are just messing with you. It's fine. She nods and goes back to her tent and I go back into mine. 10 minutes later we hear the most bone-chilling scream ever and everyone jumps out. I grab the machete and we all stand back to back with flashlights pointed out in the forest. We all look and Brian says, guys, I see four pairs of eyes. We look, and about 50 feet away we see the eyes. One of them walks out and it was seven to nine feet tall and we backed up slowly so we don't antagonize it more. It makes the most monstrous growl ever. We turn around and run to the truck we get in and decide to drive to a hotel and come back in the morning when the sun was out we get there and rent out a room and stay there we woke up around 10:30 and go back to get our stuff all the tents were ripped to shreds and our backpacks were spread across the campsite we grab all our stuff and promise to never come back i was serving as a camp counselor for the evergreen school district's outdoor school program at camp bonneville for several nights we had heard vocalizations like a woman screaming but high-pitched wood knocking and smelled nasty stink around outside of cabins one night a few rocks hit the cabin waking campers and myself we assumed it was another cabin group messing with my campers Wednesday night I was walking down by the trout pond and had just crossed the bridge when I heard underbrush breaking near the tree line. I moved closer, moving quietly so as not to disturb whatever animal was making the noise, thinking it might be deer. Out from the tree line came a large, massively built hominid. It had long arms hanging almost to its knees and it had apples in its hands. The apple trees were near the cabins, not near the pond. Deer are often seen feeding on the apples at night. It was eating one as it walked toward the pond. It walked with its knees bent in a slightly stooped manner. It ate maybe half before dropping it. When I noticed its hands, the thumbs were in line with its fingers, unlike an opposable thumb. It then stopped and sniffed the air, turning to face my direction. It looked right at me. It grunted softly a few times then made a strange u sound. It smelled like the most rancid cheese mixed with wet dog odor. It then turned and rapidly returned to the tree line, disappearing from sight. I then noticed I was kinda shaky in attempting to move, kinda like a lethargic feeling. Then before I knew it, I was running up the road to the cabins. I remember some of the campers found a tree branch nest-like shelter in that same tree line the day before. The bracken was all pushed down inside. No one thought anything of it at the time. I never mentioned it to anyone until my girlfriend's best friend mentioned things going on near their place near Bell's Mountain. I asked her questions about it. She told me about the wood knocking and vocalizations in the woods behind their house near the creek. After hearing this I told her my encounter at Camp Bonneville and she freaked. I told her, As kids we always heard stories about a beast living up on Bell's Mountain. I have spent 12 years in the military, 8 USMC, 4 US Army, multiple combat deployments, so I've seen a lot in my time but nothing like that. I've spent a lot of time looking into what I might have encountered. Only thing I can say is it was an undiscovered primate, of that I am certain. When I was around 12 at the time, four years ago, I would play tag at night with my friends next door, I call them L, is an M for privacy purposes. One night I was playing as usual when I was hiding under the tight space under the deck, I smelled a rotten stench and saw a black mass of something turn and face me. I acted like any normal 12 year old and got out of there as fast as I could, only to be tagged. I was annoyed but saw someone running up into the treehouse so I ran over and hid, waiting for them to come out. About five minutes later I got impatient and decided to sneak up into the treehouse. Well, no one was up there and as I put my foot up onto a step to the second floor I guess you could call it, a slimy, damp hand tightly wrapped around my ankle, I got free but fell over the railing and hit my head pretty hard. I opened my eyes only to see a tall, like I'm talking eight feet tall here, and I'm six feet two, around five feet ten at the time. Anyways I see this thing, but I can't move, I try to scream but nothing happens, I know what you guys are possibly thinking and no, not sleep paralysis, I've had that before and this was different. It shot down and wrapped its hand around my throat, it said run in my ear in a sharp harsh tone, kinda like Vecna mixed with Will Ramos, Lorna Shore. for anyone who doesn't know. As soon as it says that I can move again but it is gone but my neck is still in pain. I get up and book it but get stopped by L, he spins me around and asks where I have been and that they have been looking for me for 20 minutes, I tell him what happened and he calls BS saying they looked behind the treehouse multiple times, I blink and there it is, right behind him in the split second I blinked. He calms me down and talks me through it, saying it was just m being a dickhead. About an hour passes of nothing happening and I go inside only to see this thing again in our chook pen just staring at me. I tell my parents and sister, is, and she says she put her hand in the spar and did it all. The spar was bone dry at the time of this. If anyone has any insight about this please let me know. I have looked online throughout the years but the only thing that somewhat resembles what I saw was the rake or a version of Slenderman I drew but a couple years ago with few facial features, eyes, mouth. Back in March of 2008 my employer sent myself and some co-workers to Portland to open a new office. We spent three weeks out there. Now for myself I have loved unexplained phenomena, always have, always will, especially when it comes to the subject of Bigfoot etc. When I found out I was going to Portland I went through the roof because all I could think about was getting into the woods and taking a look see, if you will. In a nutshell I turned one of my co-workers on to the Bigfoot subject and he is now addicted. To make a long story short my employer gave us Sunday and Mondays off and that was our time to get out and see the sights. The first weekend was Mount Hood. We camped out, it was scary but nothing to report the next weekend we headed for mount saint helens we crossed over the bridge of the gods and went east towards the town of stevenson then through the town of carson in washington state somewhere in the town of carson we took a left on a main road and headed north toward mount saint helens we saw a few rural houses slash farms etc along the way and we just got deeper and deeper into the forest We started going higher and higher through the windy road and about 15 miles in or so we started to see only on the right side of the road a lot of branch breaks. Now let me tell you, there were lots of them, I mean hundreds and what was weird was that this was happening only on one side of the road, the right side. Trees 6 to 10 inches in diameter all broken anywhere from 7 feet to 12 feet high. My friend and I were so excited to see this. Now we did not see any creatures, but being a Sasquatch addict in the, what I like to call, ground zero for Bigfoot, I was blown away. We pulled over where there was a shoulder and we got out and began to examine all the tree breaks. So of course we tried to explain this phenomena away. Heavy snowfall no, bears no, elk no, boulders no, cougars no, humans no, well not with their bare hands and not hundreds of trees. The tree breaks were, honestly, for 15 miles or more and only on the right side of the road. Also the larger trees, the big ones not redwoods maybe the giant sequoias or pines all had marks indicating that they have been hit. I have determined them to be marks from wood knocking. There must have been hundreds of them. All about 7 feet to 12 feet high. I would love to give exact coordinates, but I did not write anything down. I can tell you that we took a left in the town of Carson on what seemed to be a main road and headed north. We did end up at the Ape Caves park slash tourist stop. So, somewhere in between Carson and the Ape Caves, in the Gifford Pinchot National Forest. Now what is sad is I borrowed my dad's digital camera and took pictures, but the curse of Bigfoot struck. I was trying to change the format on the camera and I accidentally erased them all, of course, When we got back to the hotel, I was so ticked off. Anyway, I've been thinking about what we saw for a long time. And I finally had to let someone know. I know for a fact that if you were to go to this area, you will see all of these tree breaks and wood knocking evidence everywhere. And it being on one side of the road, it felt like this was their way of saying. This area belongs to us and stay out. It was absolutely amazing. I hope that you are familiar with this area and you can go there and verify this for yourself. If you do go, please let me know, I would love to hear your thoughts on what I saw. I am 100% sure that the miles of trees breaks are still there and even new ones I am sure. We saw some pretty fresh breaks that were still green and moist on the inside. Where we pulled over, the whole area was matted down all the vegetation was all matted like pressed very hard everywhere but we did not see any footprints in the area we were in i'm sure that if we looked long and hard enough we could find some we both had that uneasy feeling and we did not stray too far from our truck i know in my heart and soul that nothing else except an upright bipedal ape could have done what we saw please let me know if i can be of further assistance in what my friend and i observed About 4.30 a.m. I was awakened by one dog barking, loud higher pitch, unrelenting, and something else making a noise, high-pitched, extremely loud, primal scream maybe in response. I really did not know what the noise was. As we have a dog, I checked to see that he was okay, which he was. The noise moved from backyard to front yard. My opening and closing the side door to check on my dog made noises that I assume made whatever stop its screaming. I did not see anything. It was quite upsetting. I then went online for Sasquatch sightings in Polsbo, Washington and found this site. The sounds link had an entry that sounded exactly like what I heard. My 16-year-old granddaughter was home as well and awakened, frightened by the noise. I played the recording for her later after she awoke again, but on her own, and I did not tell her what I was going to have her listen to. She said that is what I heard this morning. What is it? I told her I didn't know. I was raised in the Mithau Valley, camp-slash-hiked lots, and have never heard anything like this in my life. This situation lasted about 15 minutes. My friend Dan called me and asked if I would come to his place to help him unload some gravel out of his truck. While we were unloading his truck an older stout man in his 60s pulled up into his driveway. Dan walked over and greeted the man. They walked over and he introduced me to the older fella as his brother Troy. After we unloaded the truck we went into Dan's house and cracked open a few drinks. We talked for a couple hours and after a bottle of Glen Limit Scotch. I broke the ice and told Troy about my experience with the Sasquatch. Dan tells Troy to tell me about his encounters. Troy tells me he's working for a logging contractor near Blue River, British Columbia and the Mondu area, about an hour and a half north of Blue River. Troy said he was at the bottom of this logging block where there was a huge cedar and that this tree had been 16 feet around to the butt. Troy then says he cleared all the brush around the tree before felling it then he bores into the cedar to see how hollow the tree was after about an hour of making the cuts with the chainsaw he began to fall the monster cedar which went down with a thundering crash this tree exploded when it hit the ground he walked up to the tree near the butt and said you could see into the huge hollow space it was kind of like looking into a cave troy then says he thought he could see brownish looking bones in the deep hollow he first thought that this could be a food cache pit from a cougar or a bear. He crawled into the cedar and pulls out some of the bones. On further inspection, it looked like a human's hip bone, and the next thing he pulled out shocked him. Troy said he pulled a huge arm bone with a hand attached. The hand was four times bigger than any human hand and the arm bone had to be as thick as the end of the base of a baseball bat. He then called his boss down on the handheld radio. On further inspection of the bones, they found long hair and rawhide-like material stuck to some of the skeletal remains. They were dumbfounded. His supervisor said he needs to call the police as these look like human remains. Troy said the bones were thicker and longer than any human remains that he had ever seen and the hair and rawhide material were a mystery. There was no decomposition smell, just the odor of cedar boughs. He also noted that the bush supervisor called the police just as the day was ending. Provincial conservation officers arrived. The workers were not allowed to go back to the site until a week later, just to get their equipment. They never logged that block. Troy also noted that when retrieving the logging gear, there was a conservation officer there with another contractor waiting to deactivate the road. I asked Troy what he thought of it. He said he thinks this may have been where a Sasquatch died. I asked if there were any openings in the cedar or how we thought it could have gotten there. He shrugged his shoulders as he cracked open another bottle of scotch. I asked Troy if he had any other strange encounters while working. He mentioned other accounts told to him by loggers, but nothing else had occurred with him. Troy now carries a 4570 marlin in his truck wherever he goes. He warned me that if I ever travel on the Hart highway to carry protection, we had a good visit talking about Sasquatch and logging. Tonight, my girlfriend and I decided to drive up to a canyon by my house. This is the night after a harvest moon, and I've had an experience in the canyon before. As soon as we got there, there was a pair of shoes ominously placed on a stump in front of the parking spot. We got out of the car to look at the overlook of the city, and as soon as we got away from the car, a whistling started from the forest about 200 to 300 feet away. We walked back to the car, pretty freaked out, but had come wanting to do tarot reading. After the whistling we decided to change spots, as we were fairly shaken up. We drove down to a more urban part of the mountain to to the tarot reading and turned on the light in the car. After about 20 minutes, the light in my car turned off. For about 12 seconds the light stayed off, then turned back on by itself. We stared at each other and drove off. Needless to say, I'm pretty freaked out. I've had a worse experience in that canyon where a group of friends heard a full chorus of unintelligible voices as well. I was driving north on Oak Ridge Road, approximately 40 miles per hour, at 8.58 pm. On July 25, 2014, I was approaching the point where a red cable blocks an old road, on the right, that runs down to a covered bridge, when a creature ran in front of me, crossing Oak Ridge Road, the road I was traveling on, from left to right. He must have jumped about 3 feet over the cable blocking the old road slash path. I was approximately 50 yards away from him when I first saw him, and about 25 yards away when I lost sight of him. His fur started blending in with the dark of the trees bordering the old road slash path down to the bridge so I couldn't tell if he was running down the path or had run into the woods. I veered my car to the left, pointing my lights down the old road-slash-path on the right and couldn't see anything. I didn't get out of my car as it didn't register in my mind what I may have seen until after I had driven on. The creature was running very fast on two feet. So my grandfather has a house that's built probably 300 yards from an Indian burial ground, And growing up he would always tell me and my brother that when we were bad that the dark man would get us, now obviously being young kids and figuring it was just a scare tactic I didn't think anything of it. But when I got back from boot camp I was downstairs in his basement that's like a half done apartment grabbing a beer from the fridge I turned on the light and there was a shadowed outline of a figure that seemed to be around 8 feet tall, I've only ever seen it that one time. So I'm just wondering if that has anything to do with the burial ground. Possible skinwalker or just a regular spirit? And how could I try to become him to come out? <coughs> I went to bed as the sun went down. I don't use a tent because they are too heavy. So I was under a bug shelter under a full moon on a clear night. Very good night vision. I fell right to sleep but around one o'clock I heard a howl slash scream and I knew exactly what it was, I just knew. It sounded fairly close, maybe a one quarter mile or less. It sounded clear as a bell. I knew it was a sasquatch. I was scared but not panicked, not ready to pack up and leave, I hoped it didn't scream again but about ten minutes later it did, farther away this time. Maybe a one quarter mile farther away. I slept with my pistol on my chest that night. I did sleep, but not well. The next morning I was so tired I just packed up and went home. I solo camp all the time and have never heard anything except a bear one night. This was pretty cool. My 15-year-old son and I were both awoken by animal noises outside our tent. I figured it was raccoon or squirrels looking for scraps. Soon heard it was something larger. Thought possibly elk or deer. Then a strange sound came from outside the tent about 10 feet from the door. Very unique, not of any I have ever heard of hiking and hunting for 33 years. A similar but uniquely different sound seemed to respond from the other side of the tent about 20 to 25 feet away. The sounds were not growling nor grunting. I thought possibly coyotes because of the high pitch, yet they were not coyote sounds. Then a third response to the first two further back towards the lake. Like a woman screaming. Yet lower and not a fearful expression. My son was admittedly freaked out a little by the third noise. Approximately three minutes later we heard the screaming sound louder and more intense about 100 yards to the SE. Then we went back to sleep. Wondering, we tried to make sense of it all the following morning, and discussed the sounds over breakfast, then again as we headed into the woods on the bumping lake trail to fish. I have been fishing here over 20 years and have never seen nor heard anything similar. Last night I had definitely what will go down as one of my most bone chilling memories. I was wide awake and nowhere near tired. I was reading in my living room near the window. From outside I heard my sister's voice calling for me. She was out all day out of town, I thought she was just coming by to show me the dresses she picked out to wear to the wedding she's attending this week. Us both being night owls I thought nothing of it. I heard the voice yell for me again, so I looked out the window. Downstairs I saw her just standing there looking up into the living room window. She motioned for me to come down but her body language didn't look like hers. It was rather stiff and her face didn't move as I heard her yell for me again. Figuring she was too tired to come up, I turned to grab my shoes and head downstairs. But then this is what kept me up all night, my phone went off. It was a phone call coming in from my sister. I answered it to say that I'd be right down. She's always been a rather impatient person so before she could say anything I just said yeah, yeah. I see you, I'm coming down. There was a slight pause and she goes no, I just got home. You aren't answering my video chat requests. I wanna show you the dresses I'm gonna wear. My stomach sank. I looked out the window, what I thought was her wasn't there. I know it would have to be something trying to imitate her because she called out on her exact voice and inflection. Using two nicknames that only she uses. Creeped out I quickly video called her. From her phone camera I saw the familiar background of her bedroom. I've never felt so unsettled in my whole life. I was taking my dog outside to go potty and she kept sniffing the air and refused to go near our fence. In the distance I heard a couple of dogs barking but everything else was quiet. All of a sudden in the trees across from our house I heard the most loudest and terrible scream howling and within a few seconds it was answered by a faint response. The dogs that had been barking went silent. I grew up in the country around these parts and I know what all the animals sound like etc. But this was something I have never heard and I will never forget. I am an active duty Navy officer with a bachelor's in science from the University of Texas. I also grew up in the country in Texas and do not get frightened easily. I woke up to use the bathroom at about 4 in the morning. Within 10 minutes, I began to hear whooping in the near distance. I live very close to Highway 3 and the sound was on my side of the highway. I would have to say within one quarter of a mile. At least five different dogs in the neighborhood began to bark very excitedly which was a surprise since I didn't even know that many dogs were that close to me since they never barked like that before. It sounded more like a monkey than a bird. It sounded like the Snohomish recording but much more clear. I was walking out on my fields to check my stands. I saw something big out by the creek. I wasn't sure if it was a bear so I ran up to get my point 243. I got to about 12 feet, then I stepped on a twig and it heard me. It looked me in the eyes. I popped a warning shot in the air. It made a weird groan in the bottom of its throat and peeled off in the forest. I have not seen or heard anything weird since. Now I want to start this post off by saying that I have never been one to believe in things such as skinwalkers or stories including creatures that seem scientifically impossible, as much as I love hearing stories or watching videos on them. I have never been one to be scared of things that in my mind, could not be real, but this is the first time where I've encountered something I simply can't explain and has me on edge almost every night ever since. It starts with me laying in bed. I have trouble sleeping so I usually lay in bed watching videos until I realize how late it is and I need to go to sleep, so I'm laying there on my phone and I found myself going deeper and deeper into a rabbit hole of skinwalker story videos, I must have watched them for two to three hours, until it was I would say three to four in the morning. I started feeling this very, uneasy and anxious feeling about my own room, which is something I've never felt before as if something was there or near that gave me such a sudden feeling. Now in a lot of the stories I heard, I heard a lot of them say that they would hear three knocks, whether it be on a window or a door or whatever it may be, I heard them say three knocks. So as I'm watching these videos I hear a very lightly knock on my door, to give more context my door is loose and so even a light knock will make a somewhat loud noise, I pause my video and then I hear another knock. I said to myself I swear to God if I hear one more knock I'm gonna lose it and sure enough a couple seconds later I hear another one, and as soon as I heard that last knock I got chills, and I was frozen. The knocking froze me and I didn't wasn't to look over at my door, I have never in my life gotten so scared I didn't want to move, so as I lay there, Debating in my head if I really just heard three knocks or if it was a draft or some rational thing that made that noise I started to hear a sort of whispering in my right ear, only in my right ear. The only or best way I can describe it is a faster version of the snake language from Harry Potter. I have never heard anything like that before, in the years I've lived in my house, it wasn't my air conditioning, it wasn't my fan, it came out of nowhere. I didn't want to move. I sat there, listening to this whispering and feeling like something was staring at me from my doorway, but after what felt like an hour but was the longest 10 minutes of my life, the whispering slowly faded away and I was left there still too scared to move until I fell asleep. Now as small as my story was, the whispering and the knocks will forever haunt me and be burned into my brain and I have never heard it since, and was the only thing to ever really scare me. I no longer watch Skinwalker videos when I'm alone or at night, and when I'm alone at home I will keep my gun somewhere near me. I was up on an old fire road I had been on in 1994 to see how things were growing back since the fire. I had gotten up to the third switch back and thought I'd sit and rest for a while. I must have been there for no more than 10 minutes when I started hearing vocalizations coming from the next ridge over. There's a valley between the road I was on and the next ridge with a creek at the bottom. The vocalization came from three points along the ridge. It started at the top, being answered by the ones at the bottom near the creek, then at the middle of the ridge. I never got to see them with the new growth and the trees on the other ridge. I was able to listen for some time though. I went back up a week later to see if I could get more like being able to see them. I thought I'd try to get a response so I started with a low moan. I wasn't expecting the response I got. From the third switch back above where I was it sounded like something was thrown against a tree or something. It startled me that it came from above me then from the next ridge. It was pretty loud too. My paternal aunt is a well-respected lawyer for the Navajo Nation. Being a lawyer for the Navajo Nation she must live close to the capital where she works. There are many rural communities surrounding the capital of the NN, with no running water or electricity to this day. Her and her only son were living in a manufactured home in a heavily wooded area near Sawmill, Oz. They didn't have running water but they had electricity, which was recently connected within the past five years. Their dogs would always go missing or eaten by coyotes so they only had house cats at this point. A couple of nights in row her son tells her that he thinks someone is trying to break into their home. He tells his mother that he can hear them trying to get into the house from the back door or gain access from the roof. She has never heard anything of the sort except the occasional howling of packs of dogs roaming the res at first she thinks her son may be experimenting with drugs that could be causing his paranoia the son is so adamant that he hears someone trying to gain access to their home while they sleep at night he installs motion sensitive bluetooth cameras in the areas that he claims to hear the most activity i am not sure what brand of cameras he installed but it's the kind that starts recording once it is motion activated and it shows you a live feed of the activity He sinks the cameras to the smart TV and living room. As many young Navajo youth do, he moves to Phoenix shortly after setting up the cameras for whatever reason. The mother doesn't want to be alone her first weekend he is away. She invites a close family friend, her sister by clan. They are laughing and talking after dinner and the TV is on idly in the background. Her sister asks if she is boiling water for tea, confused she replies that she is not why they hear a low hissing noise and eventually find the root of the noise the family cat is in the hallway of the trailer and is looking up towards the ceiling and hissing with its fur raised as soon as they draw their eyesight and attention to the cat the smart tv switches from the satellite programming to the camera feed as it has been activated At first they both watch in amazement because they had no idea what could set off the cameras as they were angled up so high no wildlife could trip them. They hear the unmistakable sound of the displacement of weight on the roof as if someone was walking around. The footsteps and creaking had intention, definitely human. Their eyes dart back to the live feed. They both watch frozen in fear as they see a man covered in white clay and black dots, and what appears to be multiple articles of fur and animal skin slowly descend off their roof, using the metal chimney stack, which ran vertical to the outside of the home. My aunt is completely frozen. Her sister tries to snap her out of it by gripping her arm, as to keep her grounded so she doesn't faint or fall sick to what she is seeing. He is halfway down he chimney. Then they see a tattered old cloth bag dangling above his head at the top of the screen. As they continue to watch they see a pair of bare feet beginning to join him in descending down the pipe. This pair of feet appear to belong to a naked Navajo woman. She is covered in white clay and black markings as well as turquoise necklaces bouncing off her bare chest. She is climbing down holding the bag they saw earlier. Both of the SW drop to the ground and with a blur take off in different directions. The sister gets angry and wants to go outside and yell and cuss to confront them. But my aunt is frozen. She doesn't regain her bearings until 30 minutes after. They replay the footage and rewatch it to make sure they saw what they saw. They choose the option to save the recording and archive it. My aunt being logical wants to show the footage to a medicine man so that he may provide some information as to what and who it is they saw. That night they both sleep in the living room. The rest of the night is uneventful. The next morning they go to Medicine Man. They attempt to play him the footage they saved. It's gone. The memory is wiped clean. There is no evidence of the cameras being activated, not even a digital timestamp. stamp. The Medicine Man does a prayer for them because of what they have seen. The holy people tell the medicine man that they saw a married couple who were skin walkers that don't want my aunt living in that area because of a land dispute. When asked why the recoding disappeared the medicine man tells them that the SW did a wicked blessing type prayer as to safeguard themselves from being filmed or shot by bullets that have not been blessed. Bullets and guns that have not been blessed by white ash will misfire or never fatally harm SW. Similarly, technology like cameras can never capture them as well. She told me this story face to face. So I asked her how they looked when they ran off. She said, have you ever seen that vampire movie Twilight? You know how when they are running, it looks like just a blur. It looked like that. She also added before they took off running that it looked like their eyes turned completely white. This incident happened in the early months of 2022. On Friday the 5th of November 2010, my family and I decided to go hiking near Lake Cushman. I typically go hiking alone as it gives me opportunity to gather my thoughts and enjoy the outdoors. Seeing as how my wife's birthday was coming up she managed to convince me to take her and our two children along. I had planned a more arduous near Mount St. Helens but given the children's notable lack of ambition I elected to drive the hour and a half from our home in Castle Rock to Lake Cushman for a more family-friendly outdoor experience. We arrived at the Big Creek Trail near Hoodsport at around 1000 hours and began our hike, Trail 827.1 loop. It was a cool day with a light drizzle and visibility was at times no more than 75 to 100 yards. The hike was rather uneventful and my wife and I both noted that the utter silence of the forest that day was deafening. There was one other car at the entrance to the park so I just assumed they had gone and ahead of us on the same path and had ruined our chances of viewing any wildlife. At around 1130 hours I heard a truck about 75 yards up the ridge. I looked up just in time to see the cab lights of a logging truck heading up the mountain on road 2419. About 10 to 15 minutes later I heard what I initially thought was another vehicle struggling to climb the road. A couple of seconds later I realized it wasn't a car at all but an animal or possibly another person. It sounded like part howl and part groan. It was difficult to describe other than to say it seemed mournful. This groan slash howl lasted about 8 to 10 seconds during which time I turned to look at my wife and children. The look on their faces said it all. They had heard it as well. Almost simultaneously everyone said what was that. I said I had no idea and we continued on. At around 1200 hours we approached the Skinwood Creek Bridge. All at once we were stopped dead in our tracks by a horrible odor which I can only describe as a cross between skunk and ammonia. The odor was so heavy we could taste it and our eyes even began to water a bit. My daughter began to cry and repeatedly begged me to let us return to the truck. I must confess I would have liked to oblige but we were at the halfway point and continuing forward seemed to be the most logical course of action. As we continued on the odor dissipated, We made the turn at the bridge and started back down the trail on the west side. At almost the same point we encountered the odor on the east side of the trail we picked up the scent again on the west side. We continued down the trail and once again the odor dissipated. The remainder of the hike was uneventful and I dare say we made much better time heading back to the truck. After reading about the 2009 Elk Rock sighting I decided to drive up to the area and take a look. Since animals routinely use the same game trails I figured I had a decent chance of finding more recent tracks. Approximately 50 yards west of mile marker 36, 250 yards or so east of the Bear Creek Bridge, on the north side of 504 I noticed a single track and a mud gravel slope just above the roadway. I took several photos of the track and the surrounding area. I remained in the area driving up and down 504 all the way to Coldwater Lake cutting for sign the entire drive. I noted several deer, elk, and even Mount Lion tracks but nothing resembling the initial print. I marked the location by placing a soda can, same one I used for scale, on top of a two feet long stick drove into the ground there is also some sort of storm drain cover diamond plated directly in front of the location on the shoulder of the road. After a night of relaxing with a friend, I started walking them to the end of the road, approximately a quarter mile. At about halfway, I turned around and let her continue on her way to the car waiting after splitting apart. There were sounds of coyotes off in the distance. I then noticed in the light provided by the car's headlights on the trees ahead, the shadow of my friend running towards the car. Seconds afterwards, I heard screams, which I figured might be our only neighbors in the area. After returning home, I spoke with my friend again over the internet. Her story was of something different. She stated that there was a creature of sorts in the bushes near the side of the road. This is what had been screaming. It had also thrown rocks at her, although she said that they were not being thrown at a high velocity, but that of a speed similar to a slow underhand throw. Autumn. Since you are now familiar with the area of the Skookum cast, maybe a return visit to a nearby area along the Lewis River Lower Falls recreation area and neighboring trails. So far this year we have heard his morning yells in the not-too-distant hillside, and during mushroom hunts we have also smelled him. Close enough to almost gag you and make your eyes water the stench was so bad. But my friend and I stood motionless back to back. One into the wind the other facing out of the wind, hoping to see anything move. Our nerves got the best of us so we walked off the hillside to the main trail and headed back to the lower falls area. The late evenings you can hear him farther off in the distance. Mornings they tend to be closer. This Sunday we leave for the Lewis River again for three days and the campground will be deserted. We will keep you posted as to any events that occur. We also believe that he has shaken the camper once quiet hard. We jumped up right away but without light outside we could not see through the fogged glass. My sister Terry may have told you about the large den we had found in that same area. Tree limbs and such sort of piled up, not something a bear would do and way too large for any other animal to use. Hunting is not allowed there so a camo blind was also ruled out. Me and my cousin would often ride our dirt bikes down to the river and spend the night, but the encounters only occurred when we walked to the river. That way, we wouldn't care off any animals late at night. We would hear animals come down and drink water. The sounds we heard were something throwing rocks into the water and it wasn't fish jumping. You can tell the difference. This only happened late at night. On time, we even left in the middle of the night as was so close. We both believe in Bigfoot and after all the stories we heard growing up that's all we could think of. It may not have been a Sasquatch, but who else would come down and do that? Certainly nor someone trying to scare us because everybody that knew us knew we carried our guns along there. There are a lot of freaky things that happen out there in those woods. I'm a 75-year-old woman and always believed in Sasquatch. My husband and I were traveling on a dirt road off Highway 6 about 5 kilometers south of Lundar, Manitoba. I believe this occurred in the spring of 2018. The road curved north of the lake shore. But just before we got to the curve my husband came to an abrupt stop. There were about 10 heads of cattle grazing on the side of the road beside us but they were just standing still and not making a sound. My husband saw what looked like a lump of hay in the middle of the road ahead of us about a hundred feet that looked out of place. He slowly moved the truck up a little closer and came to a stop again. He asked me if I see what he sees. I immediately said, yes. To me it looked like a Neanderthal-like being sitting on its haunches in the middle of the road and it was covered with fairly long hair which was blowing in the wind. The color looked like dried hay or sandy brown. It began to stand up and appeared to be about 8 to 9 feet tall with very long arms and legs a bit shorter but heavily muscled, especially at the thighs. As it turned to look at us I could sense it was a young one and I actually began to feel fear, but the fear was not from me. Don't ask me how I know this but the fear was coming from that creature. I sensed that it was lost and wanted to find its way home. It took two steps to the south of us, jumped across the ditch and just disappeared. We drove up to where it had been sitting, but I could not find any tracks or any sign that had been there at all. We stopped in at a friend's place along the way and when we told him what we had seen he told us to keep that information to ourselves. He proceeded to tell us that two years before a farmer shot one of those things and he took his tractor and buried it somewhere on his property not two days later. The military was at his door wanting to know if he saw any type of strange bears around. The man denied he knew anything and told them they were trespassing to leave his property. My husband died in 2019, but before he passed we often talked to each other about our experience. I told some friends about my experience and was told by one person that I am an empath and could feel the fear on the young Sasquatch. I have no idea if this is the case or not but I do know I did not fear for my life at all when I saw it. Currently watching this TV show talk about creatures like skinwalkers and other cryptids and am reminded of these strange occurrences growing up. This happened for years but I never figured out what it could have been or why I felt this way. Background. I grew up in a small town in Arkansas. We used to visit my uncle who lived 30 to 45 minutes from our place. He lived with other family members on roughly 60 plus acres and down a barely paved road that would turn into endless potholes upon approaching the gate to his driveway. It was really in bum f nowhere with very few neighbors around. Not sure if this matters, but I grew up Catholic. I'm agnostic now but never felt or believed in Catholicism, and my family has always been very superstitious, more so with angels, demons and ghosts versus creatures. Okay, back to my memories. We would frequent often. And it didn't matter what time of day it was because as soon as we reached the section of road that turns into jagged potholes it would start. This stretch of road always took the longest since you had to drive so slow and rows of trees leading to forest areas line this road. It was during this time I would always feel the need to move to the middle seat, I always sat in back, and slumped down. Our car was an old station wagon that had lots of visibility. I felt like I was in a glass house. It was a sickening feeling that would wash over me, the feeling you get when you're being watched. And I think we were. I never saw an actual creature per se but I would frequently see branches move and shift as if they were popping up from someone hopping off them or forcefully moving them but nothing was there. We had coyotes, raccoons, goats, stray dogs, standard wildlife you can think of but I never saw anything. Ever. One night, we are inching our way to his house. I get the feeling again and am scared. I'm probably early teen or preteen years. I got the notion that I should turn and look into the tree line. There as I stared, I saw two yellow or reflective eyes staring back at me, maybe six to eight feet above the ground amongst the trees. After what felt like hours of not blinking, I held its gaze as it side-stepped out of sight behind a tree. The figure was hard to make out, but its dark shadow-like appearance it casted, made it seem broad and awkward, too unnatural to be human. I slumped lower but no one believed me. From then on I frequently would see this thing and sometimes what seemed like more than one with similar behavior when we drove by. It felt like it was stalking us sometimes, following the car up the road. If I felt brave and looked back I saw a dark figure sometimes upright on two feet but sometimes down on all four shuffle across the road. Sometimes it would get close to the car. I looked back once and saw the tail lights reflect and dim as something just below the back windshield moved past it. There was a thud against the car or occasional rock thrown, often not hard and had a different sound like it was purposefully thrown versus gravel getting kicked up. Only once did a rock come from the darkness ahead of us and crack the windshield, my mom popped on the high beams but there wasn't anything there just movement in the trees. Her reflexes were very fast turning on that light so I don't think a local teen or neighbor was playing a stupid prank and would've time to dart out of the way as they would land on barbed wire that also was on both sides of that road. I hated when I got older and was sent to out of the car to be the one who opens the gate. That was when I felt close to maybe being attacked. Once we got to the house though, I felt safe, my uncle was a former vet and avid historian and gun collector. He wasn't superstitious, but he was the only one who would hear me out. His property was fenced off, one fence around the house itself with a decent spanning backyard and then fenced again around that for goats and cows he raised. I never liked going outside at night because I felt eyes on me and it was always eerily too quiet. It made you feel like you would never be happy or sleep again. No bugs humming, just silence with the occasional bee or moo. Sometimes weird booms or snaps happened and we would investigate it and the scenes looked like a bear or something came through there, but there aren't bears in the area and sometimes large branches were founded broken or snapped and in unnatural positions or far from their tree. I've no clue what these things could have been, no Indian burial grounds, landlocked, no lakes or mountains though heavily rocky terrain. Maybe some rumored Indian settlements in the past but not sure. I haven't been back in years readers of Reddit. What do you think?